will rejoice and be glad in. Any kids want to come up and join us and sing? They're welcome to do so. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice, let us rejoice, and be glad in it, and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made, let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Pendleton Church. Fill out your friendship card so we can get to know you. We have a gift for our visitors here at the Connection site. I hope you guys have a great day. Enjoy the service. Well, it is good to have you here at church this morning. The opportunities for ministry on the clipboard today are helping with our Niagara Falls dinners and also uh, if you can provide food or like to provide food for the uh, Winter Youth Retreat, that's also uh, going around. Speaking of the Winter Youth Retreat. Forms and payments are due today. So if you need the extra paperwork, let me know. But today is, we have a short amount of people that uh, are, we have available. So please uh, sign up today. All right. So if you're going out, you want to go on the Youth Retreat, you got to get a hold of Pastor Sherry now. Also, this Wednesday, this Wednesday, most of our programming begins. We are going to have our choirs and our Bible studies, and our Wednesday night dinners. So uh, if you participate in those or would like to start participating in those, they start this Wednesday. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Dear God, it is an amazing thing to be able to come and worship you. Come and bless us and strengthen us and be present with us, Lord, that we might experience the living God in this place, in our hearts, in our lives. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're able, I'm going to invite you to stand as we sing together. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. Still my strength and shield. When 
Any kids want to come up and join me? They're welcome to come up now. Good morning. How are you guys doing? I got something new for Christmas. You know what this thing is? It's a Fitbit. That's what it is. It's a Fitbit. It goes on my wrist and it measures somehow what I sleep and how many steps I take, and all kinds of stuff like that. And then it tells my cell phone all that information, which is pretty cool. So, so far today, uh-oh. I don't know if it's going to work. Uh-oh. Well, anyways, so far today I've walked. <laughs> and I've slept and done some things. You know what the problem is? Is if is if this doesn't tell my phone what's going on, I don't know what's going on. It doesn't really mean anything. It's just, it's just a fancy wristband. Yeah. Your brother has a Fitbit? Yeah. And your brother could probably figure out how to make my phone work right. <laughs> but I can't. So, it's telling me I'm in trouble. We'll put that away. Anyways, <laughs> it's the same thing with God. If we don't stay connected with God, it doesn't matter how much we talk about God. It doesn't matter even if we, even if we uh, know about God. If we don't stay connected to God, pray to God, and spend some time thinking about God, learning about God, then God being powerful won't help us much. So we need to stay connected. We need to pray with him at least every day, like before you go to bed, maybe when you get up in the morning too, over our meals, and just stay connected. And if we do that, then we won't have the problem I just had with my phone. We'll always be connected with God, okay? What are you guys thankful for this morning? Raise your hand if you want to share something. My family. Mom. Everything. Lord, we do thank you for the blessings you give to us. Our family, our friends, everything we have. Be with us, strengthen us, and help us to stay connected to you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, you guys can all go out to church school. All the kids are welcome to go out to church school now. This morning I'm thankful that I got up and walked out to get my newspaper, and there was no snow. I'm happy about that. Some of you aren't, you know. I know your steers. It's snowing down there. It's okay. But the snow that I have to deal with and contend with and trunch through, another day without snow. Yes! I'm thankful for that. 
It's a little blessing. But sometimes the little blessings we forget to thank God for. So we're thankful to God for the small blessings and the large blessings and the wonders he gives in our lives. As we're thankful to God, let's return our thanksgiving with our morning tithes and our offerings.
Dear God, let your grace pour down on these gifts. We thank you for everything you've given to us, and we return these as our thanksgiving. Multiply them, magnify them. Let them be used for what you want to accomplish in this world through us, through this church, through the wonders that you can do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. This morning I want to share a joy. Let's see if I can read this right, because if I get it wrong, I'll be in trouble. Peter Benjamin Laffer was born. Nine, nine pounds, three ounces. That seems to mean something to women. It doesn't mean something to us men. I don't know why. Uh, but uh, anyways, a new great-grandchild for June Smith. So we do want to keep, uh, keep the family in our prayers for the blessings they're receiving. I also wanted to mention a couple of people who have particular concerns this week. Uh, we want to be in prayer for Jim Accord, who's in the hospital downtown with health concerns. He's going to be going for some tests for his heart. This is uh, Sally's husband and uh, Pastor Sherry's father. So keep him in your prayers. And also Sarah Deer, who's a preschool mother. She's 34 years old, has a little child in our preschool, and she passed away this week after some extended illness. So we want to keep the Deer family in our concerns and our prayers and all the things we might be able to do for that. Bob Wurtenberger, Norma Wittig, and Tim Zutch are having continuing concerns that we also want to lift up to God and keep them in our prayers as they go through this week. And I'm sure you all have other thoughts and people that you're concerned about this morning, so we're going to take a moment to just lift those up to God in prayer, shall we? Dear God, you are a blessing to us. You give us such wonderful things. You fill our lives with simple things that we sometimes neglect to even thank you for. The wonders of life, the joys we have, the hope, the families and friends and blessings. We pray that you'll be with us. That you'll strengthen us and continue to help us to live in an attitude of gratitude towards you for all you've already done for us. And yet, Lord, we have some concerns we want to lift up to you and ask that you might bless us again. Be with these people that are struggling with health concerns and difficulties and in the hospitals. We just pray that you'll, you'll be with them, with Bobby, with Jim, with Norma, with Tim that you'll just watch over and care for them. Help them to be healed and strengthened. We pray for Sarah and her family. Her soul, Lord, we give to you, and yet her family, help us to be mindful, caring, and nurturing, that they might get through this difficult time with your power and our help. Lord, there's so many things that go through our mind troubles we have that we face, concerns about other people, physical problems, problems with our finances, or in just facing this world, fears and worries that we have. Lord, we know that you, you, you can help us with these things. And so, Lord, we dare to offer them up to you. Listen, as each of us shares our concerns,
Now, Lord, lift away from us our concerns, our worries, our troubles, our anxieties, our fears, all the things that we face. Just pull them away from us. Help us simply to focus on you. Be with us, Lord, and fill us, and let your, your Holy Spirit descend in a powerful way this morning to touch us, to move us, that we might understand these ancient words of Scripture with a new meaning for our lives, that we might meet the living God and experience you, you in the and the prayers, the songs, the table, the words. Bless us, Lord. Be with us. Lift up our souls before you. We come to worship you. In Jesus' name. Amen. And now shall we listen to the word of God. Good morning. Today's scripture lesson comes from Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 through 22, and chapter 14, verses 5 through 15. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with, with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots, along with all the other chariots of Egypt, with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites, who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea, near Piahiroth, opposite Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, 
Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you, will bring you today. The Egyptians you see here today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Bill. Christmas Eve, I was talking about how as a culture we began to forget about God. We remember God at the holidays. We remember God when we're in a crisis. We remember God when we have struggles. We remember God for baptisms and for confirmations, for funerals and weddings. But God is not as much a part of our life as God used to be. That happened to the Israelites. They went down into Egypt, and when they got down there, they were blessed by God because they were faithful to God, and God filled them with all kinds of wonders. They multiplied and prospered. But then they forgot God. And little by little, their prosperity started to fade, and they found themselves enslaved by the Egyptians, no longer prosperous. At some point along the line, they remembered God and cried out to him. And God sent Moses down to Egypt, and he did wonders, plagues, and, 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 and things that caused Pharaoh to say, get these people out of my country. And they went out into the desert. And in the desert, they remembered who God was. So for the next few weeks, we're going to look at lessons we can learn from the desert about how we can remember God. And we're going to use illustrations from our own desert. We call it winter. And what it might teach us as well. <laughs> I really, I, I, I love the look of a new fallen fresh snow. It, it's wonderful. But I've got to be honest with you, I'm tired of snow. Have you ever shoveled a driveway? I don't mean plowed it, I mean shoveled a driveway. And you get it all cleared out, and you're standing at the road, and the plow comes along and dumps a pile of snow right in front of you. And you're like, curses! Curse the plow! You couldn't lift that blade when you went by my house! Like, you're going to do that, up and down, up and down. Just, or just for you, right? It feels sometimes like every time we're just making progress, somebody puts an immovable obstacle in our lives. Like we're facing struggles and problems, and sometimes those problems are so huge that they seem impossible to overcome. Like the Israelites. Marching out of Egypt with confidence, they find themselves at the end of the story at the edge of the Red Sea with Pharaoh's army coming down on them. This is where we get the saying, caught between the devil and the deep blue sea. They're saying, God, how could you do this? And they cried out to him, much like when Jesus cried out, quoting Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my Christ of anguish? Where are you, God? We blame our leaders. They blame Moses. We blame God. We do the same. Sometimes life seems impossible. We're up against struggles that are just overwhelming. They could be relational struggles. They could be financial issues. They could be a combination of things. They could be health issues. 
It just seems as if the whole world is opposing us and there's no way out. I was at Missouri when they had floods like they're having now. You've never seen so much water as that. It's like, 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 like Lake Erie in the middle of the country. And those people just watched this as his boat would smash into bridges. Seeming impossible. And then that happens. Do we trust in God? Do we really trust in God when we're facing things that seem overwhelming to us? This is the most powerful army in the world coming after a few refugees out of Egypt. Some former slaves that, that have very little to fight with. Oh, they went up armed for battle, but they didn't know anything about fighting. They'd never been in a battle in their lives. They are facing the Egyptian army, the most powerful military in the world at that time. They had chariots, which are like tanks today. And they came down on them. And there they were, up against the Red Sea, saying, it have been better if we just died out in the desert, Moses. Dude, what'd you bring us here for? When we face problems, we, we sometimes resent God. We don't trust God. We forget God. We try to rely on who and what we are, what we know. It's kind of like, like passing a snowplow. How many of you have ever passed a snowplow? This is not a smart thing to do. First of all, the blade of the plow sticks out in the left-hand lane. So when you go to pass them, you're really actually on the shoulder, driving along in this crazy sort of a mess, trying to get around this plow. And when you get in front of the plow, what do you find yourself in? A bigger mess. Because the plow was pushing the snow out of the way, now you've got to drive through it. Blinding and everything else. Because, well, we know better. We know how to get there. We're in a hurry. we got some place to be. There are lessons we can learn about winter if we pay attention. You betcha I can, and you can too. Now it's winter here in Buffalo, and so far a pretty mild one. But I've been around long enough to know it's coming. I'm not looking forward to it, and I don't want it. It's a rare and odd duck that loves the blustery, freezing, harsh winter. But I gotta say, that over the years, I've developed an appreciation for those blasting storms of winter. Now my name is Robert Sled, but my friends call me Bob. And I wanna pass on some wisdom about weathering the storms to those young saplings in western New York, or to those weak southerners who are terrified of a few flurries. They're afraid to go anywhere with a light dusting of snow, but not us. We are stronger than a six-foot snowbank, and we aren't going to let it take us down. And how do we get that courage? How do we get that strength? Because of the plow. That's right, the snow is snowing, the wind is blowing, but we can weather the storm because there's a plow that paves the way. Be patient, watch, listen, and then follow the plow if you need to get somewhere. Listen, and then follow the plow if you need to get somewhere. Don't go down that road where the plow is not going, follow the plow. At night especially, with the blinding snow whipping around, we watch for it, the lights spinning around like a beacon saying, it's okay, I'm here. We listened for the crunching of snow as the heavy piles that blocked our path get pushed aside. Those sounds give us the power and energy, we can do it. 
you out there, get behind the plow and let the plow take the lead. You want to get where you are going in the middle of the winter storms, follow the plow. It will pave the way, guiding you to safety. Keep your eyes and ears open and don't be afraid to follow the one who paves the way. We appreciate Bob Sled uh, giving us this words of wisdom. Follow the plow. Only a fool would pass the plow because somehow we've decided we know more and we have more power in our little cars than a 35-ton truck with a plow on the front. We do the same thing with God. When we're in trouble, we turn to our own abilities, our own strength, our own ingenuity, our money, our jobs, everything except for God. Because we don't appreciate who God is. We don't trust him. Pharaoh is coming out after the Israelites. They, they, they kind of were, were going along and, 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 and wanted them out of the country. After all, their firstborn had died. They'd had all these plagues. And then they're like, dude, who's taking out the garbage? Oh, the Israelites are gone. Who's going to pick the crops in the field? Oh, the Israelites are gone. Like, we got to go get those guys back. We've lost our business. We can't survive without our business model. Then it says, God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. See, when we turn against God, God pushes us away. We think God like chases after us. God pushes us away. You turn against God, God will say, okay, then I'll push you farther away. Harden Pharaoh's heart. They came out to get the Israelites back. The Israelites are shaken by the Red Sea. Be better to serve the Egyptians than to die out here in the desert, they say. We can understand it, can't we? When we see the things that we've relied on in life to answer our problems and our concerns, we start to get worried and afraid and discouraged. We get stuck and we don't know which way to turn and we're not sure which problem to face and the problems can seem so huge we don't know how to get past them. My wife and I were driving up from Florida one time we got to South Carolina, pulled in, and went to the hotel. Slept, had a nice evening sleep. Got up in the morning. Place was going nuts. And as we're going down to get our breakfast, all we could hear him talk about was the weather. The weather. We're looking outside. It's like two inches of snow. What? What? I don't know. So we went back to our room. We packed. We came down to check out at the front desk, and there were like three or four of these big, big construction type guys out there, all dressed in their equipment, and everything. And they said, you can't go out there? What are you, crazy? It snowed! We're like, dude, man, just get your people out of our way, and we'll be fine, you know? We got a big, heavy car, front-wheel drive. Two or three inches isn't a problem. But to them, it was a complete panic. They could not imagine how they could get through. The kind of people we would assume would face down any fear. We're immobilized. We forget about God. And so we get stuck. And we don't know which way to turn. And we forget that the scripture says to us, nothing is impossible with God. What's impossible? Nothing is impossible with God. Philippians says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
but we forget it. Because we're in a hurry. We got places to go, things to do. God's schedule doesn't seem to work like ours. In fact, God doesn't even seem to do things the way we would do it. God's time, God's ways, they're not the same as ours. Isaiah said, my ways, my thoughts, are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We feel like we can only take so much trouble, just like they are, and they're feeling weak. And so God took them by a long way around. The way to Canaan was just a straight path, but he didn't do that. He took them down by the Red Sea. Because even though they were dressed for a fight, they weren't ready for a fight. Just because you put on a bunch of, 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 of military equipment doesn't make you a soldier. I mean, picture, these guys have never been in a fight in their lives, and they're facing the Egyptian army with trained soldiers, experienced in warfare. God knew they weren't ready for that. So he took them a roundabout way to give them time to be prepared. We came out of the hotel. We're by a couple of these southern drivers. Found our way to the throughway and drove 100 miles south. We didn't go north. We knew what we were going to face going north. We'd have to go through South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia. Three states full of people who don't know how to drive in the snow. Not doing that. So we went south, south 100 miles. Then we went west, and we came up through West Virginia where there was a bit of snow. Sometimes what seems like the most obvious way isn't the right way. And God will even direct us and guide us and put obstacles in our way so that we'll go the right way if we'll let God do it. See, we think we're ready for everything. They thought they were ready to go out and face the world. They were armed for battle. God knew they weren't ready. And sometimes we want to jump into things we're not ready for. I just got a four-wheel drive vehicle. <laughs> They're cool. I never had one before, you know? I tried it out on that little bit of snow we got. Man, that, that thing drives well, you know? But one of the things I found out about four-wheel drive vehicles is even though they go better than two-wheel drive vehicles in the snow, they don't stop any better. That's why these guys that are bailing down the road in their four-wheel drive vehicles, you see them in the ditch. Have you, ever, have you ever been in that kind of situation where you're driving and all of a sudden you have no control? Your vehicle is just going, and you're going with it. Yeah. We think we're ready. We think we're prepared. But sometimes we feel like our life is really out of control. And we're facing something so big, we don't know what to do with it. And you see, one of the biggest problems we have is our God is too small. We've shrunken down God in recent years. We only have a God when we're in an emergency or it's a holiday or we've got a special occasion. We cry out to God because we have a problem, but we don't have a connection with God. So does God even hear us? Are we any better than the Egyptians? We've taken God and shrunk them down to a size we can control, we can manage, we can get our heads around. If we can't figure God out, he obviously can't be anything more than what we have in our mind. I read a book about somebody who, who was proving God didn't exist the other day. 
because they couldn't get their head around it. It wasn't possible. We want to take God and stick him in our pocket, pull him out during church or when we have a, a special occasion and put him up there to say come some kind of pretty prayers for us. We made God into, in, into a statue. Our God is too little. Part-time God. Because of it, we get part-time results. We don't hear him. And he doesn't listen to us. We get in a crisis and we cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like Psalm 22. When we should be living in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me. Moses was led by God. He had a confidence. He had a power. Because he knew God. He had experienced God. He had been out in the desert with him. He seen God through, go through, through the plagues and the miracles. He, he heard the voice of God. And so he was prepared to listen to God. We go out in the middle of the snow. We don't think anything of it. You know why? Because we've experienced it. You want to know why people in the South are afraid of the winter? I'll show you why. This is what their plows look like. Well, we're coming up on the South Carolina snow plow. we were counting on, we'd be hiding in our houses too. The difficulty people have with God is they haven't experienced him enough. They're afraid because they don't trust in a God they don't know. Their God is too small. Moses trusted in God. He wasn't afraid. He told the people, don't be afraid. This is a small thing for God. They're like freaking out. You don't understand. There's the greatest army in the world that way, and there's the Red Sea that way. This is impossible, Moses. And he's saying, just relax. It's okay. God's got it. To quote Isaiah, surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Moses says, God will fight for you. God will take care of you. And where did the courage come from? It came from, from the inside. He had an internal connection to God, an internal faith in God, a guidance, an assurance that he could count on. I put on my Fitbit yesterday, walking around. My wife was in a store, so I just walked. I'm going to get my steps. I'm feeling so confident and cool because my Fitbit's going to tell me I am the man. <laughs> so I sat down with my phone and did exactly what happened this morning. It said, dude, you're not connected. You haven't done anything. <laughs> nothing! Nothing! I've done nothing! Not a single step! Nothing! It's useless! Because it's not connected. It's not synced. Quite honestly, our faith in God, our belief in God is useless if we're disconnected. If we're disconnected, if, if we don't have that, that sense of an internal guidance, the power of God comes from us being in prayer with God, being in constant communication with God, 
spending time with God, knowing God, understanding God, experiencing what God has done, even in the midst of troubles. And once we've experienced it, we're not afraid. Why do we go out in the middle of what the Southerners think is crazy weather? Because we got the plows, 35-ton trucks going down the road in front of us. We're not afraid. Dude, we got machines to push that stuff out of the way. And if we can trust in a plow, don't you think we should trust in the God of the universe? We have a God that can do what seems impossible to us. If we have the real God, the God that changes the course of nations, the God that can change the course of the world, the God that can change the course of your life, not some little tiny, mamby-pamby, little weeny God that we stick in our pockets, only bring out on special occasions. Fear is only an opportunity to show our faith in God. God makes a way for people who have real faith. I know some people will say, well, you must not have faced any real problems. I've faced real problems. Some of you have heard about them. Some of them I don't even tell you about. We all have struggles. We all have pains. We all have heartaches. We all have obstacles. We all have disappointments and discouragements. Where we feel as if our life is going to go nowhere but south. But with God, we have the confidence do what we need to do. Moses says to the people, be still. Now listen to him. He says, be still. Knock it off. Settle down. It's okay. It's interesting. Moses tells them to be still. And they're looking around going, but there's nowhere to go. And interestingly, God says, tell the people to move on. Tell the people to move on. You got to picture hundreds of thousands of people, right? And he's saying, move on. Move on which way? Go that way. You can see over there. Just follow the people in front of you. You can see that, right? You can't even see over them. You're just kind of following this crowd. Where are we going? I don't know. But he says, follow them. I can't see. There's nothing that way but to see. Just keep going. You ever been in a place where you have nowhere to go but forward? We were coming up through Pennsylvania one time, and we're driving along. We just gotten over the West Virginia border. And we noticed that nobody was going in the left lane. We didn't either, because it's kind of getting kind of crummy out. No was coming down. And then we saw the left lane disappear. You know, just like it was gone. And I don't mean like it was gone, you know. I mean it was gone. Like we, we looked to the left, and there was about this much snow in the left lane. There's no left lane. It's gone. And, and that was disconcerting until we realized there were no exits. They were gone. Now, I'm telling you, man, that's even worse. I mean, having snow in the left lane is one thing, but having the exit gone is completely different. All we've got is vehicles in front of us. We're all going 30 miles an hour. Just say, follow the guy in front of you. Follow the guy in front of you. Can't see past the big truck. It's always a big truck. Can't see past the big truck, right? You know? Just keep following. Everybody stay and keep going, and we won't have a problem. But there's no way out. It doesn't matter. Just keep going. Imagine that's what it was like going through the Red Sea, right? Water's parted up on just keep walking, man. Just keep walking. Don't look at the water. Just keep walking. That's what we're doing. Then we look to the left. The other side disappeared. There's no cars coming from that way. This is really not good. Because whatever we're going into has stopped all the vehicles from coming that way. And we're going this way. But there's no turning around. There's no getting off. There's no passing anybody. There's nothing we can do. Just trust in the truck. 
There's got to be a plow out there somewhere that will clear this path because we're still moving. And we just kept moving. I want you to think about what it would be like if you were a southerner driving in that. You would be freaking out. You'd probably stop and mess up the whole thing, which it wasn't much further up that we saw a truck from the south trying to get up a hill, and then we realized why there was no traffic coming. This poor guy didn't know how to drive in the snow, and for 50 miles they were all backed up because one guy stopped. Don't stop. Just keep going. Just believe. There will be a plow. There will be a plow. And around Pittsburgh, we got off. Now, if we can trust in a snowplow, why don't we trust in God? If we think a 35-ton truck is so impressive, why aren't we impressed by a God that holds not only that 35-ton truck, but the entire universe in the palm of his hand? We don't need God to do what's possible. We need God to break through the impossible things in our lives the things that seem overwhelming, the seem, things that seem like they're going to crush us. We don't need a pamby-pamby, tiny little God. We need a real God. Our God is too small. If you ever read the book of Job, and I don't recommend it, it's very depressing. If you ever read the book of Job, here's a man who faced some of the greatest struggles anyone could face in life. And this is what he said. I know my Redeemer lives. And then in the end, he will stand on the earth. I know that ultimately, God will make it work. When you're standing between the devil and the deep blue sea, you trust God. When you're standing in impossible choices, and you want to cry out to God, remember the Lord is your shepherd. You don't have to worry. He'll take you even through the shadowy valleys of death that you don't have to fear evil. You have a God that's a great God, a powerful God. Reconnect, sync up with God, and watch God transform the impossible into the possible. Thank you. 
sins that they aren't important because God does want us to confess those sins. But Jesus has told us all along that it's not these things that keep us out of heaven and glory, that keep us out of the power of God. It's that we've rejected God, we've turned our back on God, and we need to repent. So it's not, it's not really even the actions that cause the most grief to God. It's the inaction. It's the shrinking God down and ignoring God. That's what we really need to confess. Because that's what takes away the possibilities, the power, the wonder of God. It gets us out of sync. And we need to get back in sync with God. So let's pray, shall we? Dear God in heaven, I have sinned. You know what I've done wrong. Forgive me, Lord. Help me to change. But help me also, Lord, to live for you. Connect up my life with you. Remember you. Live in you. And have you live in me. Forgive me, Lord, for what I haven't done when I haven't lived for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God said that when we confess our sin and repent or turn around and change our direction, he will forgive us. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen.
Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by this blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Now let us pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive others who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Will those who are serving please come forward? That's where we come and remember whose we are. But everyone here is invited to the table. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been, or even if this is the first time you've ever been with us. God calls you and invites you. Reconnect with him today. Come and be blessed at the table, the rail, the prayers for healing and anointing, to light a candle.
in the restaurant and I figured it out and all of a sudden <laughs> I got myself 9,600 steps. <laughs> Sinking up is where the power is. God has already laid out the power for you. He's got it waiting. All you got to do is open up your heart. Let him pour it in. And God will start doing the impossible things and making your way through it. Trust in God. Believe in God. That's the first lesson from the desert.